Hi, praise the Lord. So glad you could join us here tonight um, on our broadcast. Uh, this is our Wednesday night Bible study. Um, thank you for joining us. We welcome our guests who are joining us and you have stopped the scroll and are watching the service. Um, I do need to say uh, some housekeeping uh, in order. Um, we will not have a Friday night with friends this Friday. Um, so uh, take that time off, spend it with your family. Uh, but we will not be having a Friday night uh, friends broadcast this Friday. So, um, but we will have our, you know, continue our broadcast on Friday, of course, Saturday and Sunday at 7 p.m. But uh, be aware of that. Uh, and also be aware that if you start seeing things popping up in your email for help with, uh, with our church renovation, uh, be aware of that um, and uh, stay connected as we continue um, to um, get ready for, uh, the our service. So, um, so glad you're here tonight, and we want to continue this idea, this theme of process, um, and um, and it's it's such an interesting thought because everything it seems like in the scriptures are a process, and um, um, and it, it is a a continuous thing, and 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 the part I want to look at is. Um, we don't sometimes we don't think about it this way, um, but I'll go ahead and kind of talk about a story I experienced. I remember um, I, you know, I just got into church and um, and I would, um, you know, I got in church when I was in high school and uh, I started participating and I went to college and I would take a bus to my college classes. I remember one day I was sitting uh, on the bus uh, to my college classes when I overheard two people, uh, most likely Christians, were. Um, talking to each other. And one of them said, well, are you saved? Um, and of course, you know, that's the language that's used. It's kind of this internal language. Like, are you, you know, have you experienced Jesus? And are you, you know, or, you know, of course for us, salvation is, is, is the new birth, which we pick from acts. Uh, it's talking about uh, baptism in Jesus name and full immersion and of course speaking with other tongues baptism and being filled with the holy ghost and uh, living an overcoming life um and so it was interesting that here they're talking about being saved here's the problem with that saying um the saying is a past tense uh it's looking back at a fixated point where you kind of you cross over and you're done um it's like salvation is some kind of fixed point in, in time. And, and to me, it, it just, that doesn't seem to be the case. I'm saved. Well, I'm saved. Well, now what, now what do I do? I just sit back and just relax and ride this out until, until Jesus comes. Um, but if you really look at the new Testament and, and uh, the only time a past tense is used for the word saved is in Titus three, five. Um, and of course, Titus 3 3. I want to read that so you guys can see how it's being used. Uh, Titus 3 3. For we too were once foolish and disobedient, misled, enslaved to various passions and desires, spending our lives in evil and envy, hateful and hating one another. But. When the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, 
but on the basis of his mercy through the washing of the new birth. That language comes from John when Nicodemus kind of sneaks through the night, a Pharisee, and, and, and encounters Jesus. And, and he says, what must I do? And he's like, well, you have to be born of the water and the spirit. And you have to be born again. And he said, how can a man be born again? And, and, he, said, and, and he just kind of, very, very encrypted. What is, what is Jesus talking about? Of course, it becomes very clear when we read Acts. Uh, and that same term, new birth, is used. Um, so here we are. It's talking about that new birth. And the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us all in full measure through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So this is the only time we see this past tense used of saved, save, uh, salvation. Um, and it's it's talking about what we have come out of, um, envy and 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 but you know because we've experienced salvation we don't have to hate anymore and we don't have to envy anymore and we don't have to be jealous of others anymore because we have experienced who Jesus is um however when you look at the rest of the new testament the verb save is used in the present tense and in paul's writing it's always used in the future tense um salvation will be acquired in the next life um and what is this future tense? And here's the future tense. Here's here's a here's a definition. A future tense is a verb form that generally marks the event described by the verb as not having happened yet, but expected to happen in the future. I'm going to read that again. This is the future tense. A verb form that generally marks the event described by the verb as not having happened yet, but expected to happen in the future. It has not happened yet, but it will happen in the future. So let me repeat, salvation is something that happens in the present and in the future. It's not a fixed point in the past, but a continuous process that moves us forward to get closer to God. Salvation is a process. It's a continuous process. Now let us step back from a high-level view of salvation. Humanity is in rebellion against God, having violated God's law and his perfect love. And humanity is not merely guilty, but it is a bondage to sin. Sin is, all, is not only a failure to observe God's laws and ways, but it permeates and it in, it's invasive in all humanity, causing us to be incapable of self-salvation. This is why we need a divine intervention to restore us to a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. Salvation ultimately is a process. Because to have a right relationship with others does not happen instantly. It takes time. It takes patience. And it takes a whole lot of grace. Salvation can only happen and only starts when you have an encounter with Jesus. I'm not talking about the man Jesus. I'm talking about God incarnate. Ultimately. Jesus is redeeming us back to our original purpose. I don't want to jump around in scripture here, but uh, if you go to Genesis, 
you know, in the garden we were made and then brokenness entered by disobedience. And there's always been a plan to restore humanity back to its original purpose. To redeem, redemption, you know, making right what was made wrong. And, 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 um, and we see this play out in this chapter. And I want to read the whole chapter. Again, this is a Bible study. So we're going to have some meat here, okay? Um, we're going we're gonna to have some steaks. Hopefully, uh, I, I like mine medium well or medium rare. Um, so we'll see how, how this goes. But um, again, we're talking about salvation, this, this, this process of salvation. It's not, I'm saved, I'm done, I can just hang out and, and just chill until Jesus comes. No, there is a process. There is this continuous pursuit of Jesus. And it is not a passive faith. It's not you're leaning back and just waiting for things to happen to you. It is an active faith. You're always engaged and, and, and very active and moving. And, and, and God is always talking and, and, and he's always pointing things out. And he's always drawing you up closer to him. So we read 2 Corinthians. Of course, it's a letter from Paul. And uh, it's actually the fourth letter from Paul. Um, but it's 2 Corinthians. We don't know what happened to the third, third letter or the first letter. But here in the 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing back to the Corinthians. They're, they're, it's a messed up church. And he's writing back and he hears good message from Timothy that they're doing well. And he says, so he sends him a good letter, you know, saying, good, just, just stick with the faith. And, um, and he's encouraging them. And, um, and so we're here, we're reading chapter five and, and verse one. I want to read kind of verse by verse. And, I, and I'm aware of the time. Um, and so we don't worry, we'll have, we have plenty of time for Q and A, um, but we're going to be talking about this and I want to look at the scriptures. So this isn't my theology. This isn't my view, but this is actually based in scripture. Um, and we're going to go ahead and look at that. Um, so second Corinthians chapter five, verse one. So this is Paul writing to the Corinthians for, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die. And leave this earthly body. So the tent represents us, our, 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 our temple, our body. We will have a house in heaven. So we're going to have a body in heaven. An eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. So we're going to get a glorified body. We're not going to be spirits. So we are going to have a body. Um, and literally there's a whole books and books written on this. But we are going to have a body. Okay, there's... You're going to look probably a little bit the same. If you didn't like the way you looked, I'm sorry. You're stuck with it. Um, God likes the way you look. Uh, he doesn't have an issue with it. But um, but you're you're so you're we're going to get this new body, uh, whatever that means. Is it made out of something else? I don't know. But but here is Paul. He's talking, and so we get this new house in heaven, internal, made for us by God Himself, not by human hands. Um, and then we get to verse two. And again, I'm reading the NLT version because I think it, it, this, it, it reads a little bit more clearer. Uh, verse 2, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to be put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. The body we're in is broken and it continues to fall apart as we get older. It's not designed to last forever. That's why we're going to get a new body when we get to heaven. Something that will last for eternity. 
So it's kind of like maybe maybe your wop, you know, it's wood, it's a broken down wood, and he has some titanium steel waiting for us. I mean, he's just he's like, I'm gonna give you a brand new body. It's gonna be an upgrade. It's such an upgrade that you don't need to upgrade it again. Um, so here we're gonna get his new body. This is this is about salvation. Okay, this is about salvation. Uh, verse three: We'll put on heavenly bodies, and we will not be spirits without bodies. He wants to reiterate this point. You're not going to go to heaven and be some spirit and have no body. You are going to have a body. And we can definitely see this when we look at Jesus, when he is redeemed and resurrected and he comes back and he has a body and he's hungry. Um, so he's eating. So he, he kind of is, he's, he's the first example of what we're going to be. And so he's eating. He's, he's a normal person. He's a, he's a body. Um, so we are going to get this new body. Um, and, and again, Paul is re reiterating this because it was an issue in the Corinthian church. They're, they're thinking they're going to be just spirits, this non-corporeal form. And, and so he's just, he's, he's really getting hammer. He's hammering this in. Now watch this verse four. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside, but it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. So the point is not to cut these bodies off. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Ooh, will be swallowed up by life. So it's not that this body is bad, but we want it to get swallowed up by the new life that we have, this new life. Verse 5, God himself has prepared us for this, and as guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is kind of like part one is kind of like the precursor to what we're going to be getting. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You're going to speak with other tongues and it's going to infill inside of you and you're going to be filled with his spirit. And then when you get to heaven, you're going to get a new body. So that's part one is, is you're going to get the spirit. So it's like, it's like, well, you, you can't upgrade to your body until you have this. You know, sometimes there's like upgrades, multiple upgrades. We, we went and got my wife a new phone and, and it needed a new upgrade before we can get the other upgrade. Because you can't just skip an upgrade. You have to follow all these upgrades. And, and so the Holy Spirit is kind of like this. It's like, you're going to get this upgrade. But you first see the Holy Spirit has instructions uh, of what needs to happen. And uh, then when you get to heaven, all you have to do is just put on this new body and you're ready to go. Um, so here we go. Verse 6. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. No matter how long we live in these bodies, we are not at home until we get our new bodies, until we get these unbroken bodies. Verse 7, for we live by believing and not by seeing. That is faith. We believe when we don't understand. We believe when we don't see. Verse 8, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Let me read that verse again. So whether we are here in this body or away in this body, our goal is to please him. Who's him? God. Our main goal and objective in this salvific journey is to please him. It didn't say please you. It didn't say please 
your spouse. It didn't say please your kids. It didn't say please your family. It's please him. Your first love. Verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So we're all going to go before Jesus. And he's going to take an inventory of our actions, good and evil. And we will all have responsibility for that. Verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Being sincere in our pursuit, persuading others about him. Verse 12. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Those who think they're doing great, but their heart is far from him. If it seems we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Ultimately, we look crazy. You will always look crazy. You will never, ever fit in to the thinking and the systems of this world. I'm going to repeat that. No matter how hard you try, you will never fit in because you've been redeemed. Verse 14, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self. Now it's using that language of death. Now we've been buried with his name. Buried is another language here for, for baptism. We've been baptized in his name. And we have died to our old life, our old ways of thinking, our old ways of doing things, our old value system. And, and now we're this new person. Verse 15, he died for everyone so that those who received his new life will no longer live for themselves. Will live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So when you get the spirit and you continue on this salvation journey and process, your goal is not to please you, but is to please God. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. We all thought we didn't think very much of Christ. Paul's saying we thought they were very highly of him. He, he just he seemed. Weak, not powerful. How differently we know him now. 
when we first met him and, and when he first confronted us and when he first talked to us, he challenged our views and he challenged our values and he challenged who we were and we thought nothing of him. We thought he was weak. We thought he was pathetic. What kind of God is this? What kind of Messiah is this? And here we find ourselves seeing with a new lens and a new perspective because we know him differently now. We see him differently now. This means, verse 17, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. There is this new life. That's the beauty of salvation. It's a new life. We get the spirit of God inside of us. It's, it points us to a very different direction than where everybody else is going. You're going to be swimming up against the current. That's the Christian life. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. We are to continue to talk to others so others can be reconciled back onto him. Verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are making the world right again. We're righting wrongs. We're righting the brokenness, the shattered lives, and we're putting it back together. What was the original purpose, the original intention, what God originally what meant for good. And, and we're just Slowly but surely, slowly God is redeeming us. He's making right our lives. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We need an encounter with the divine so that we can be made right in his eyes. And this process of salvation, this process of redemption is a daily occurrence. If you read the scriptures and it doesn't bother you, then you're reading it wrong because you will naturally be bothered by some of the scriptures. You're not going to like this God. He's going to really bother you. I like explanations. I like him to tell me, why am I doing this, Jesus? You need to explain to me. I need the four reasons of why am I doing this. Sometimes my kids ask that. I say, okay, I need you to go do this. They say, why? Give me the explanation. Before I do anything, I need the reasons and the logic, the pros, the cons. I need everything before I do any type of action. And Jesus just looks at you and says, I'm not going to tell you anything. If your pursuit of me, if you're pleasing me, if you're only concerned about me, it doesn't matter what I called you to do. You just do it. That's what's called faith. You don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. You're scratching your head wondering, well, this the, the logic it just seems to go out the window. But that's the whole point of this, right? We're all being redeemed to this new creature. We're being redeemed to be new in Christ, a new humanity. This process of salvation, this process of redemption. Well, it doesn't make sense. You're right. It doesn't make sense. There's parts of the scriptures I don't like. I would rather cut them out, black them out, throw them into the fire, but I can't. 
They're there. I have to read it every single day and remind myself who I am. What's my last name? I have been blood blood bought. I have been redeemed and I am continuing this process of redemption. The world doesn't care about my beliefs. They're going the opposite direction. They're going to tribalism. They're going to their own decisive groups. And God is calling me to diversity. God is calling me to reach out to people I don't understand because I have been bought and I've been set free and I'm no longer in bondage. And I'm continuing this process, this continuation of salvation and redemption. I am reaching what was God's original purpose for my and your life. It is a process. He's making things right. Well, I don't understand this part. Join the club. There's passages I don't understand. I think it's foolish. But then again, I don't think like God. I'm broken. My, what I value and what I think is at times contrary to what God wants. I was listening to the news on the way here and, and um, just listening to um, some of the conflict in Israel with the, the Palestinians and the Israelis and they're just going back and forth, back and forth. And it's just so sad. Incredibly sad. You know you've experienced salvation and you know you're on the right path when you care for both sides, not just one. That's when you know you're in the right direction. We have to get that tribalism mentality out of our minds. God just kept pushing and pushing and pushing the Jews saying, There's, this is bigger than you. It's bigger than any one of us. It's, it's all of humanity, all of humanity. And they just, they just could not comprehend it. They didn't understand it. We're being redeemed. We're, we're treating with kindness and envy and hatred. Those things that are naturally, that's what we naturally think. We're naturally envious. We're naturally jealous. We naturally like to hate others. It's it's easy to hate. It's easy to be jealous. It's easy to do hurtful things. It's hard to be kind. It's hard to, to love for mankind when you don't have any love for them. But that's this process of salvation. That's this process of, of us being redeemed back to what our original purpose was. And it is a daily occurrence. It is a daily walk that we have to constantly remind ourselves who we belong to. What's nice is we have help. You've been filled with his spirit, speaking with other tongues. You have the spirit helping you and guiding you. And at times, what you want and what the spirit wants are in conflict. What you see and what the spirit sees are in conflict. You're ready to pull the brakes and the Spirit's saying, no, you need to move forward. That's this process of salvation. This process of continually leaning on him as he breaks us down and makes us more like him. It's not this, I'm saved and 
I don't have to worry about anything and I can just sit back and just relax and, and, uh, and wait till Jesus comes. You know, it's fascinating by people who believe that they don't stick around very long. The people I see who continue and stay faithful are the ones who are always engaged in, with Jesus. They're always actively pursuing him. They're always looking at the scriptures, watching it, changing them. And they're being examples to others, pointing others that there is redemption. They don't have to live this way. There is a better way. There's a better way to live. You don't have to do that. That's your old man or woman. You're a new creature. You don't have to do that. So I know um, I just got a little bit more or less. But um, if you have any questions, again, that's the cool thing about uh, Wednesday nights is that we um, we do questions, kind of this Q&A. Um, and then um, you can kind of ask questions or our comments, uh, we, we take it all here. Um, but again, it's this idea, this salvation is not past tense. It's future tense. It's, it's you're pursuing it. You're always pursuing it. You're always striving for it. You're reaching out for salvation. Um, I think, again, not to say that you never attain it, but we do attain it. If you read Paul's, most of Paul's writing, we attain it when, we, when we're on the other side. Um, not to say that, you know, we will never attain it, but we will. We will. We don't grow weary in well-doing. Um, but it's this continuous, continuous walk. It is a process. You don't instantly become good overnight. And some things you will always deal with. Some things from your past will always be there. And unfortunately, you just have to learn to deal with it. And have God give you strength. It's kind of like Paul's thorn on his side. It was always there. He didn't want it. But my grace is sufficient. I feel like that's what kind of God's saying. It's just your grace. His grace is sufficient. Um, and some things you'll just have to deal with. You'll just have to be aware of. Um, but then again, we're called. We're being redeemed and made right. We're being pushed back and, and changed. So, so you know what? Our values are very different than what this world's value is. There are some things that coalesce, and there's some things that are um, are on the same. But for the most part, most things are are very different. We're very different. We think very differently. What's important to us is very different from others. We value people, not numbers. We value um, humanity and and um, not buildings or anything like that. Uh, ultimately, that's what we do. So, all right, I, I, I don't want to talk too much here. I do want to um, allow for some Q&A, and I'll call my sidekick here, um, Mr. Uh, Caleb here. Uh, hey, sir. All right, what are, uh, what are, are we getting any questions? If, any questions yet about, uh, about this idea that salvation is a process? Caleb, you are muted, so we cannot hear you, sir. Oops. Okay, so we we have a couple here. Uh, so Sister Moss asks, what did Paul mean when he said, I die daily? That's a great question, Sister Moss. Um, it means he dies daily to his will. And it is a daily struggle. 
Because we all have this this desire. Because remember, our bodies again are broken. We're we're all groaning for our new bodies, which are not broken. And again, it's in, it's kind of this invasive in, invasive virus. This this is that it's part of us, and we naturally like to do what is comfortable to us and what we like. Um, and it's this kind of this going on battle where you are always constantly fighting uh, yourself um, to, to do his will. Um, and it is, it's a, it's a, it's a daily dying of, of to your, to your will and ultimately pleasing him. Again, he kept, he keeps saying this in the entire chapter. He's like, cause we're all about him. We're all about Jesus. We're all about pleasing him, not everybody else. We're about, so he just keeps pointing back to Jesus. He's like, that's what the whole point is, is we got to go back to Jesus. We got to do what he wants, not what we want. And that's part of this, this salvation process is that we're always continuously, you know, reaching out to him. And, and a lot of times it's, it's in conflict to what we want. Um, cause what we want is comfortable to us, um, which is contrary to him. All right. Uh, another question, uh, from sister Lisa, uh, she asks, will we know one another in heaven? So after we've been saved and we go on to the next life, Paul was talking about, will we know one another? So, uh, we are now getting into the realm of theory, um, and opinion. Um, and here's my opinion. Lisa, um, we serve a relational God and he's all about relationships and he's so much about relationship that he wants to have a personal relationship with everyone, all of humanity, his creation. That's why he created creation. And to me, this relational God who is all about relationships would somehow cause us to forget who we are. I think that some way takes away from that spark that each one of us has. And to me, my opinion, again, I can't back this up with scripture. I mean, I can, but the principles are there, but, um, but I, I think, I think, yes, I think we will know each other. I think we'll know more than that. We'll have a clear idea of everything. Um, I, you know, and that's my opinion, but I think, yes, I think we will know who we are and, um, our family members and our lost loved ones, I think we'll, we'll be reunited with that as well. That's my opinion. Okay. Uh, question from a very dashing fellow. Uh, can we ever be really saved during this life? You know, it's losing salvation is also it's balanced. It's not that we're saved and we can just hang out. But let's also know that we're lost and we're always lost. And so there's this balance. And um, so I do want to, I, I do want to portray this balance. It's not, you know, once you get baptized in Jesus name, filled with the Holy ghost, and now you're living this overcoming life. And then you have a bad thought and you're like, okay, there we go. Now you're, now you're lost. Um, I, I don't think it's that easy uh, to be lost. I think once you take on that name, uh, God pursues you relentlessly to have a relationship with him. Um, and so I, I think it's, 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 uh, I think it's, you can, if you intentionally try, you can be lost, but I don't think it's going to happen by accident. It's, you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to want to be lost. And ultimately 
uh, you'll have to hate God and not want anything to do with him, unfortunately. Um, and that's kind of ultimately what leads to it. But, but having a, it doesn't happen by accident. That's, that's what <laughs> it's, you have to be intentional. You have to, you have to want to be pushed away. And, but even then I think, again, I have a very liberal view, but I, even then I think God, God still pursues us um, and reaches for us and, and wants a relationship. All right. Another question from Sister Becky is, what is the definition of salvation? Um, so we know where the starting point is. Um, having a relationship with God and then crossing and experiencing, um, experiencing the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues. That's how we know. That's how the scriptures describe being filled with the spirit. If you look at Acts in chapter two, um, they heard that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And you see that also with Cornelius. Oh, they he was speaking with tongues and he was like, oh, well, this is the same uh, uh, spirit that we also experience. So that's kind of, again, that's we see that in the scriptures. Because again, scripture speaks to scripture. It's not, well, this is my opinion. Um, it's, it's So we see that in the scriptures and that's how we understand that's what it means. Um, getting baptized in Jesus name. Cause that's, that's what all we see demonstrated in acts. We don't see the, the disciples discipling in any other name. Um, they're always baptizing in Jesus name or in his name. Um, and then also living this overcoming life, this, this, this continuous pursuit, uh, of holiness this continuing pursuit of redemption of God, making right everything in our life. Um, that's kind of what the definition is. It's it's this ongoing relationship. It's not I can just hang out and do nothing. Um, being in relationship with God and being filled by the Spirit, you're automatically going to be doing things uh, if you're listening to the Spirit. Now, there's the key there. If you're listening to the Spirit, it's going to cause you to change. Um, and the change is painful. And it hurts so, because <laughs> um, you 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 have to die uh, to to your old will, and um, and kind of take up his will. So I guess that's that's the definition. There is. All right. Uh, so a question from Joyce is: Since salvation is a process, do you have any idea why some people treat it and even believe that it is a one-time event? It's poor theology. Um, it is this idea that you can never be, um, that you're once you're saved, you're always saved, um, and that you can't uh, ever un be unsaved. Um, I like that because it just shows you how powerful God is. But but then I but then it's not practical because because um, you can be intentionally moving away from God, and uh, some people do that. They just, they move away. They don't participate with the body. They don't appear with the body. They don't um, connect with the body in any way. And then they start isolating themselves and then they kind of go back to their old ways. Um, so yes, yeah, salvation is a process and it's not a one-time event. It's a continuous event. It's a, it's, you're always pursuing, you're always reaching. Um, but you can't lose it instantly either. Um, it's 
once you experience the spirit, once you've been baptized in his name, you, I mean, that's, it's, it's this process, but you can't lose it either. So again, it's, it seems like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. And you're like, what are you talking about rush? Because, because it, it's, it's hard to explain. Um, it, it's, I, I can tell you what's needed. I can tell you what is required on this journey towards God. Uh, but at what point, you know, is someone saved? I mean, let's just say someone comes in and they start their relationship with God and they walk outside of the church and they get hit by a bus and they're dead. Well, obviously they're not going to go to heaven. Well, I, I don't know. They just started the process. They probably were going to get the Holy Ghost. Um, I don't know. We're going to leave that in God's hands. Uh, I think God is a righteous judge. He's very merciful uh, and he's going to make the right decision. Um, but for those of us who are alive, who have not been hit by a bus, uh, who are breathing and 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 living? Yes, uh, we need to experience these uh, these steps in in the process of pursuing God. If you don't if you don't experience them, it's, it's you're just kind of selling yourself short. Um, it's just make things harder for you. Um, so I don't know if that explains the question, but um, but yeah, yeah. that answers that. So I think we're ranging a little bit into the theoretical again. Sister Betty asks, what will our new bodies be like age-wise? That is a great question. Um, it might be adults. I don't know. It's, it might be, I don't know what age, maybe 30s or 40s, uh, maybe your 20s. Um, but God did say we were supposed to be like little children. So we might, we might all be little children when we get into heaven. We might go back to our eight-year-old selves. And uh, we're going to be like, hey, I, I recognize you. And I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but we are going to get a new body. And I, I, again, I don't know how it looks like. I, I think I, I think we'll recognize each other. Again, that's it's my this is my this is, I'm going to tell you what my belief is. But I, I believe so, so uh, uh, sacredly that that God is a relational God and relationships are critical that we're going to be able to recognize other people as well. So I, I think that aspect of it, it, you know, when we do get our new bodies, it'll, it'll look very similar to our current physique uh, so that we can recognize each other. It's not like, whoa, I can't, I don't even know who you are. You're all white, uh, you know, with light, not, uh, but, but, you know, I, I just, um, I, I think we'll recognize each other. I think, I think we'll have a lot of, a lot of similarities uh, so that it's very clear. Um, I might still have male pattern baredness. You know, it, it might not get cured when I get my new body. Um, or we might not all, and none of us have hair. We might all just be bald, which would make me happy. Um, so we don't, I mean, we don't know about those things, but, <laughs> but we are going to get a new body when we get to heaven and it's going to be a body. It's not a, it's not some spiritual um, thing. Cause again, remember the Greeks did not like matter. They thought matter was sinful. And that is a very Greek idea, and it is not a biblical idea at all. Yes, we're broken, but but you know it's it's not all bad. All right. So a question from Sister Regina: Why is change so hard, even when it's good for us? <sighs> it's new. It's it's um. It's just, it's uncomfortable. Um, it's hard for us, especially here in the States. Uh, we like our convenience. Um, you know, we are a, a microwave generation and we like McDonald's and fast stuff and 
easy stuff. Easiness sells so well. Uh, so Amazon does so well. It's very easy. You can just, it's just a click and you're done and it'll be in your house next week. I mean, or tomorrow. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. It's just, it's very convenient and change. Isn't that isn't convenient. Change is, 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 is hard and change takes time. Um, two things we don't like, we don't like being patient. We don't like being uncomfortable and we don't like having to, something to take time for us. We, we like something to happen instantly. I like the idea of an instantaneously, I'm just a completely different person. And I just walk differently. And, 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 and you'll see that sometimes we preach in churches, but I've lived long enough and I've talked to a few elders here that it doesn't work that way. It's, it's a process. It is a continuous walk of faith. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's hard because it's, it's not comfortable. It's not convenient. Um, but it's good. It's, it's, it's how we're growing in Christ. All right. A similar question from Pastor Leela. We come to Christ usually because life is terrible, us and our circumstances. So why then do we not expect God to change things for us? Yes, that's that's that is a great question. It it's so funny. We just because part of it, I think is pride. We don't think there's anything wrong with us. We think we're pretty cool uh, and we're pretty amazing. And um, and then we come to find out that that's not the case. Um, and then we come to see who we really are, uh, in God's eyes. And, uh, what we thought was originally righteous, we realize is not the case at all. Um, and that's the reason why we have to have the spirit is because we can't do this on our own. We have to have God walking with us. Um, we don't even realize how invasive it is until we start recognizing the negative, uh, kind of those negative emotions that, you know, this envy and jealousy and hatred i mean it's you recognize it in your family you recognize it in relationships and and you're like oh it's always been there i've never recognized it i never thought it was a bad thing um but now spending time with jesus he's calling me to something different he's calling me to love which is hard i i don't think love is an easy thing i think loving somebody you hate is hard uh some people you can't stand uh, you walk the other way when you see them. God calls us to love them. Um, yeah, that's a process. That I, I don't think I love everybody instantly. I, it, uh, it takes time. It takes time to love somebody you don't like. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just calling us. But yes, you're right. It's it's we are going to have to change. It's it's and it's not going to be. Um, it's not going to feel good. So here's a question, I guess, kind of along the lines of your hypothetical bus incident. Cassandra asks, can babies be saved? Can babies be saved? That's powerful. Um, so babies, I don't think they're, they know anything yet. So to me, I, I again, this is my view, uh, this is my opinion, but um, they're not at the age of reason. They don't understand they're not self-aware um so if a baby were to die i believe they're gonna go to heaven like i i don't think babies are gonna go to hell because uh they haven't done anything uh they haven't <laughs> they haven't done anything and, and they just they don't know i, I so i i, I guess if, i don't know if i'm reading that question right but 
but so that so that's the reason why we don't baptize babies is because you know that that was originally the reason why they baptized babies was um is because they thought babies that were dead were going to go to hell um and so they started baptizing babies just in case you know if they died that they would go straight to heaven uh that is not the case uh and nowhere in the scripture i see where you know children are being sent to hell um and just it's just so so to me it's babies again i'm i'm a, again we serve a merciful god a righteous righteous judge and uh, i don't think a baby is going to have any type of list and judgment seat um so so to me yes i i think you know if a baby were to die of course i think they'd go to heaven um and I don't think you need to baptize a baby. There's nothing wrong with praying for a baby or doing a dedication service, but there's no need to baptize them because um, they're not within the age of reason. They don't. They don't. They're not self. You know, they're not self-aware. They don't understand anything yet. So, which is bad theology. Uh, so here's a question from Sister Karen. Uh, she says, "When we speak in tongues, worshiping God, does He know from our hearts to Him what the words are?" Yes. Yes, he does. Uh, the scriptures talk about, I believe in Corinthians, where um, the spirit knows what to pray for and um, and just what to pray for us. Um, yeah, praying in tongues. That's biblical. That's a good thing. Um, it, as long as it's not disruptive and, you know, you're, not, you're causing the service to stop. And uh, But yeah, you, you're supposed to pray in tongues. That's a, That's an important thing. Um, and yes, the spirit is again, remember the spirit has a, the spirits automatically aligned with Jesus. We're the ones that are not, our bodies are not. So that's good. The spirit's kind of like dragging us along, you know, and reminding us, um, why we're in this and, um, making everything right. All right. So a question from Joyce again, how can our refusals to step out of our comfort zones hinder our spiritual growth? Mm. I don't know how many people I've met that God had greater plans for them, but because they were afraid of stepping out of their comfort zone, they just lived where they were. And I don't think these people were in any way going to hell or anything like that. I think, I just think they, they, they could have done more. They could have been more. God had bigger dreams for them. And to grow is to be uncomfortable. That's what growth is, is, you know, you don't, um, you know, you're not going to grow muscles by sitting down. You're going to have to go lift weights and lifting weights is a pain. Uh, it hurts. You're sore and you can't wake up the next day. I mean, you can't get out of the bed next day because you're, you know, you're, you can't move your arms. And, and um, I mean, that's kind of how, what it is. God, you know, that's that spiritual growth and um and i think it's it's in all of us is is that the spirit is calling all of us to step out on this very very uncomfortable place uh, uh from our from our from our body perspective we don't like we don't like being uncomfortable we like being comfortable we like being around people that look like us that think like us we like being around things that are comfortable that's why nostalgic things are so comforting we always want to talk about the past. We don't like talking about the future because it's unpredictable and uh, there's so many unknowns. Um, and, but we're going to have to talk about the future. The future is exciting. 
Uh, I read the scriptures. I'm looking forward to the future. Um, so yes, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to step out. And if you refuse, then uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. You're you're really shortchanging what God has for you. So a great question from uh, Keith it says: Is faith alone enough to get us into into heaven? Um, faith will lead you to the scriptures. Faith will lead you to Jesus. And faith will lead you to see the scriptures from his eyes. And you will see that you need to have him live inside of you, his spirit, and that you need to take on his name. So ultimately, if people have faith, it should move them in the right direction. Um, but if they see the scriptures and they go, oh, that's not for me. That's that's the part I'm talking about is that you read the scriptures and you don't want to do them because you don't like it. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to people who, you know, about the spirit. They just don't like it. They can't control it. They can't see it. They don't want it. Well, unfortunately, until you move forward and put, put your past aside and your fears and your control aside, you, you have to experience him. Um, and, you, you know, I get it if, if it's, you know, you hung up on stuff. But, but, but faith, if we really do have faith and not our version of faith of what, you know, faith, I'm going to do the bare minimum of what is, is expected of me. Um, yes, I think faith will ultimately lead you to um, baptism in the spirit and in water and ultimately lead you to pursuing a lifestyle that's different than the rest of the world where you do act differently and talk differently and people recognize it. They, they want to know, you know, who are you? So um, yes, that's, if that's the kind of faith we're talking about, then yeah, I think it will get to get you to heaven. All right. So the last question we have, unless we get another one, is in the process of salvation, why do you think that it takes some people, some people experience the Holy Ghost infilling right away, and for some it takes years of growth first? How I see the Spirit and how I see um, being baptized with, with God's Spirit, I, it to me I see like a birth, a natural birth. Um, some pregnancies, it's a smooth delivery, and some is not. Um, and some, it's just, they, they, again, they have to get uncomfortable and it's hard. It's, 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 it's hard to let something possess you and take control of your mouth. Um, and I've, I've talked about my own experience and I prayed for a year for the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit and. Um, and it's just, it, it was, it was hard. And it finally, that is an act of desperation. I just said, okay, God, I don't care how foolish I look or how, how foolish I sound. And I put my pride aside. I'm a, I'm a very, very prideful man. And so I had to put my pride aside and, and I looked like an idiot and, um, and God filled me with the spirit. And so, and that's part of it is that we don't like, we don't like to release the control. Cause it's comfortable. We, you know, we've, 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 we've had to 
you've learned some sense of uh, control, some sense of um, of, uh, of peace. I think we think we have in control, but we don't. Um, but it's I think that's what it comes down to is that people have a hard time letting go and ex accepting. Some people are just they just don't care. They're ready to receive it. And some it's, it's hard for them. And I don't think, you know, one is better than the other. I, th I just think it's, it's, it's just just two very different people. I think that's the diversity of the body of Christ. And that's the diversity of humanity. Some people like their control and some don't. And, and some just are just desperate enough that you just don't care. Um, I think it's multiple, multiple factors that impact that. Um, but it's, it's worth it. It, it really is. Um, it just blows my mind when people say, well, they don't need it. Well, no, I, you do need it. Um, it's what, it's what guides you. It's what leads you. Uh, it makes things right. Um, and remember we just read second Corinthians chapter five. It's the first part before you get your new body. So it is the first upgrade that you need to get. And then the second upgrade you're going to get in heaven. Um, so yes, if you don't have this upgrade, you won't be able to get the new body. So yeah, that's how that answers the question. So I'm assuming that's all the questions we have, Caleb. It is. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So please like us, share us with your friends and family. Um, again, you can know more about us at newarkupc.info. Um, please stay connected. Uh, we as we continue this series, and it should be ending here in, on Saturday. Um, but again, this idea of, 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 of process, how everything kind of is this process. Um, and of course, we talked about salvation. Um, prayer requests, please go to newarkupc.info. Uh, stay safe. Looking forward to it. And again, remember, Friday, we do not have a, a Friday night with friends. We are taking uh, Friday night off. Uh, spend time with your family. Go talk to your neighbor. Uh, so <laughs> if it's safe to do so, go talk to your neighbor um, and just, just take Friday night off. But God bless. Love you guys. Looking forward to seeing you folks in person here pretty soon. Um, but have a great night in Jesus' name. Bye.